that's kind of what they're doing here. Just go and don't bring a lot of extra stuff with you. Are you saying this is a proof text for dad travel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 59. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. On today's episode, we're going to be going through a few of our top four Proverbs, talking about adversity and all the crazy times that we're in right now. But before we get into that, before we get into our Finding Jesus segment, I've got a little announcement to make, and that is about our Bible Bracket that uh, you decided to put together and spring on the world. This was kind of out of left field. <laughs> yeah, I got this pizza. Somebody, one of our, our members w- was very kind and last Saturday night sent us a Pizza Hut pizza. And as a family with four kids, two of them babies, you know, it was nice to not to worry about uh, about dinner that night. But then this sure. Pizza Hut box was covered with this giant promotion, Feed the Bracket Challenge. Challenge, you know, and it was it had these pictures of brackets and feed the March Madness and all of this. And I thought, oh man, first of all, should have changed the order a little earlier, Pizza Hut, on your <laughs> on your promotions <laughs> planning. But also, it was killing me not to have a bracket, not to be be yes. able to do any bracketology. And so I decided we have to do a favorite Bible chapter bracket. And I I sort of noodled with this idea before. So I built it with uh, four different regions, the beloved Psalms, Paul's greatest hits. And then we have uh, two other regions, the oldies, but goodies, which is uh, another (laughs) old Testament bracket, just other old Testament passages that aren't in Psalms. And, uh, and then the new classics, which are other passages from the New Testament that aren't in Paul. And so I'm so excited. We we just did the first day of voting here where we are recording this now. I don't know if I should yeah. reveal that in, in this, but... Hey, it, it happens. We, we record early, so we, we've it's out just there gotten now. started with this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So go to BibleGeeks.fm slash bracket, and you can follow along with us, and I'm sure we'll be doing this for quite a little bit. There's a lot of stuff to vote on, so yeah. go check out the list there and see how far along we are. Yeah, and I'm hoping it's one of the things that's been happening that people have messaged me about is they're going back and and spending time with these psalms and painstakingly, you know, it's hard choosing between some of these things and and mm-hmm. someone said I love whatever it was. I love Psalm 1, but then I read Psalm 118 and it made me cry. So I was trying to choose between and just that's what like, yes, this is working. This is what I wanted for us to find encouragement right now in, in some of the great chapters. It seems a little, I don't know sacrilegious to pit the bible against itself but (laughs) yeah it is kind of fun because we all have chapters that we love maybe more than others so getting in on that and seeing seeing if your favorite chapter really pulls it out in the end that should be exciting yeah absolutely all right so we are in week 15 of the end of the book bible reading program that means we're in mark chapters three through seven and so let's begin as we always do with a finding jesus segment And it's easy to find Jesus in the Gospels. So where do you find him here in Mark 3 through 7? A different kind of an insight about Jesus here in Mark chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. And it's about 
the way that he teaches and the the both the kind of teaching that he has and who he is in this teaching, I guess. So it says, mm-hmm. and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? And then this is kind of the, the clincher. This is why I picked it. This parentheses which answered a question that I or that came to mind for me as he said that. So he says, thus, he declared all foods clean. Boom. That's a mic <laughs> drop right there. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking to this context of all these Jews, Jesus is a Jew. And I think this answers a question. Is he interpreting the law? It, what kind of a rabbi is he? Is he a gr- the great thinker and the great interpreter of the law? Well, he couldn't be just doing that because the law says that some things are unclean but this word thus he declares all food Mm -hmm. clean he's making a declaration he's drawing a line in the sand and saying okay something is changing and i'm changing it and so it reveals his authority what he's doing in his teaching and it reveals the nature of his kingdom what what kind of teaching he has it's about the laws of the heart it's it's not about ceremonial cleanness well and it is interesting too cuz he starts that out by saying then are you also without understanding yes like, well i mean if you really understood the law kind of like peter did when he sees that vision of the sheet this is this is not what we do jesus we understand the law. We understand what it means to eat certain foods and keep these ceremonial eating instructions. And Jesus is saying, there's something more you need to understand. Right. I love how he gives them a glimpse into the deeper relationship with God in the heart. That question could kind of summarize the gospel of Mark in many ways, then are you also without understanding? That's really what we're building to in the gospel of Mark next week, that center point where the understanding gets heightened, but he keeps emphasizing this distinction between insiders and outsiders are those who hear it and start to get what it means to be the Messiah and what it means to be a follower of the Messiah and and what is at the heart of this teaching. So, yeah, that's a great question, too. What did, what did, where did you find Jesus? Okay, so Mark chapter 5, okay. and this is when Jesus crosses over the sea and he goes over to the country of the Gadarenes and he sees this man who's possessed with a demon and crying out with a loud voice this Man with a demon says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. It reminds me a lot of James, how James in James chapter two, verse 19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. This demon had a whole lot of faith. I mean, faith in in quotation marks, really. He recognized Jesus, he recognized him as the son of the most high God, and he begs God not to let Jesus bother him. It just seems really interesting to me, these opportunities we see in these cosmic battles that we talked about in the last episode (laughs) with demons, that the demons seem to know a whole lot about God and about Christ, but they're missing something. I mean, clearly they're they're not okay just because they know who Jesus is. And it kind of tells you a whole lot about our responsibility, like James is talking about there. 
we have to take belief a step further than just saying, oh, I know who Jesus is and I know who God is. We've got to take it to the obedience part that James talks about. But here, how, how much faith in quotation marks this demon seems to have when Jesus comes and eventually casts out this legion of demons out of this man. Yeah, it's interesting because they kind of are missing the hard part, the important part of both sides of faith because their belief is based on sight, really, in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, they're spiritual beings. They can see something that we can't see, I assume. But also, like you say, that obedience, that faithfulness side of faith that we talk about a lot of times, they're missing because they're not loyal to God. And so they've... They've gone their own ways, as you said, in, in disobedience. It, it is amazing how Jesus keeps hushing everyone who sees who he is everywhere he goes. And, and he, it's like he, he's wearing his Clark Kent glasses everywhere he goes <laughs> and no one can see who he really is. Don't let them know. Don't let them see because they won't get it. They don't understand. But these demons can see right through him. All right, so let's get into our second segment, and that is Scripture Du Jour. What is the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. And so we're in Mark chapter 6 on Thursday of our reading. Where do you find interesting stuff here in Mark chapter 6? And this could be another finding Jesus here in Mark 6. <laughs> it's right there at the beginning of the chapter. And I always find it fascinating to think of what Jesus was like as a kid or as a young man. Anything before his baptism is interesting because we have all of this information about him after that. And and we feel like we have a pretty clear picture from these four different gospels and everything. But what was he like? Well, these Mm -hmm. people here in Mark 6 verses 2 through 5 know what he was like. They, They knew all about his life. They watched him grow up. They watched him scrape his knees and all that stuff that happens when you're little. So in chapter six, verse two, the response seems to be appropriate. So on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished. That sounds like a good thing to good response to Jesus. They were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? And how are such mighty works done by his hands? But then there's this transition in a sentence. <laughs> it says, how, how are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Yep. And so Jesus says, a prophet's not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no work, mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people. And we learn a lot here, really. We learn a lot. We learn about his mom and his siblings he grew up with and his J-O-B growing up as a, doing this work. Is this not, he doesn't just say the carpenter's son, is this not the carpenter? And that word can mean any kind of tradesman, a mason or a builder or a woodworker. But but he was he worked with his hands and they knew his job. And so this transition from the familiar and maybe we've talked before about how the familiar can bring contempt and we can do this with our own family even or the people we know best. We can take things for granted. 
reminds me a little bit of Joseph. Sure. The way that his brothers kind of couldn't get past this kid, this snot-nosed kid that they've watched grow up <laughs> and think, oh, yeah, we're all going to bow down to you. Mom and dad are going to bow down to you. Yeah, that's going to happen. And in the same way, they have a hard time with Jesus here. It reminds me a lot of conversations with my wife. I mean, Sherilyn will tell me all kinds of things that I need to hear. And when I hear her say them, I don't always take them as seriously as if a professional or somebody who might be a stranger or someone else says the same thing. And there's always that, ha, didn't I tell you that? Wasn't I just telling you that? And, and I'll listen to somebody else. But when it comes from somebody I'm close with, it's a lot easier to dismiss those kinds of things or those suggestions or instructions than it would be if someone else is telling me. And I think that's a lot of what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I always say to Adrian, Adrian will come to me when her friend Angel, for instance, says to her something that she's like, I, I just needed to hear that. And I'll, I'll say, I just said that to you an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean as much until, you know, Angel or somebody else says it and and sure. then it gets through. And I understand that. But but that's that's a great example of what's happening here. And then I think the other really fascinating part of this story is the statement in verse 5 that he couldn't do any other he couldn't do a lot of miracles there. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. Uh, n- not that something is impossible for God, but it's possible for a miracle to do more bad than good. It could it could harden sure. people's misconceptions and their misplaced priorities. We kind of saw that when we went through the seven signs in John and how people responded to that. And G- Jesus is highly aware of the goal in his preaching and doing these miracles. Remember, we talked last week about this is why I came. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the issue is whether God can do all things, but the Lord's purpose limited what he was permitted to do in these things, in these in these different situations. So that's kind of interesting. Kind of ties into my insight here from Mark chapter 6 about shaking the dust off your feet and just moving on, mm. which is what happens in Mark 6 verse 7 through 11. This is the time you'll remember where Jesus sends his 12 out two by two, and he gives them all kinds of abilities to cast out unclean spirits. And he says to them, he gives them some instructions and says, take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. And then he says to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, And they will not listen to you when you leave. Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. I find it super interesting here. Not not only this idea of shaking the dust off your feet, like move on, go to the next place. You've got more work to do. But the specific instruction not to take all of the provisions that you might need for your journey. Why do you think he does that here? Why do you think he limits them to what they can take? Good question. I I think... To me, I I see two different things. One is the way that it would affect them. They're going out, not trusting what they have, but they're going out to trust in God. They're going to trust in God to give them the words that they should speak. They're going to trust in God to care for them, to give them receptive hearers. And so I think that simplicity of their journey reflects Jesus' own simplicity 
foxes have holes, but I, the son <laughs> of man has no place to lay his head. He goes out with very little and just is a, is a traveler speaking these things. But then I also think it gives an opportunity to the hearers to either receive them and and receive the blessing that these representatives of Jesus can give to their house by being received in their house, or they can they can have the opposite. They can have the dust of their feet shaken off, which is a bad testimony against any town, any village, any any home that won't receive him. Yeah, he's essentially giving them these opportunities to learn to trust him mm-hmm. and to let other people show that they're actually receptive. Because mm. if these disciples were to go out just fully self-sufficient, we've got clothes, we've got money, we've got food, we don't need anything from you, then it would never be an opportunity for these people to show, oh, we want to hear more. We want, we want to be a part of this. We want to help you. We want to do something for you. And I think these two things are just something that we can learn a lot from today, especially in this time where there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people who are struggling and maybe in need right now. I mean, there's a tendency sometimes just for us to push off help that other people may offer or to not want people to help us. I can remember my mom. She's a great example of this. When I was younger, she had broken her arm and was pretty incapable of doing a lot of the things around the house that that she normally would do, cooking and you know, taking care of the laundry and all, you know, all the things that she was just really good at doing. And she couldn't do them for a while. And people were offering help and they wanted to come over and, and take care of her and, and do some of the things, go shopping for her and all that. And she just had the hardest time letting people help. And I do the same thing a lot today. Like people will offer, offer to help me in certain things and no, I'm good. I, I'm mm-hmm. fine. I can take care of it on my own. But being open to letting people help you is not only helpful for you, but I think even more so, it is helpful for the person who's offering and extending that help. It's just an interesting give and take here. Being open to that gives people an opportunity to be useful. I love the way you said that it's the Lord providing these things for their needs, even when it's someone Mm -hmm. else doing it. it. It speaks to that holy recklessness, to use a phrase from <laughs> Frederick Buechner, that, that came whenever they threw their nets on the side of the, the beach and and walked away. You know, I mean, not that they never returned to their home or anything like that or their work, but they gave up one life and became travelers, listening yeah. and speaking and preaching, following this, this Messiah. And uh, so it, it is kind of crazy faith is that way faith is crazy <laughs> and it's it's a crazy kind of it's sometimes it's the best sanity you can find but it's it is from the world's perspective it, it makes very little sense not to stockpile because you can't have too much you know it makes very little sense to leave behind a lucrative career for something that can do more good but christians do it all the time you know and that's the life of faith we're called to which sometimes has more sacrifice and more risks and more difficulties but it's the richer more blessed life now and in eternity you know so i think sometimes too we have this practical 
view of planning for contingencies and having every possible outcome planned for. And we've got all the answers about how we would respond in this situation, how we would respond in that situation. And that he's telling them, just leave that all behind. Mm -hmm. Go out. This is actually how I like to travel. When I travel across the country, I don't even take you know, toiletries or anything like that. I just, I just go and I have very little in my bag. And when I get there, I'm pretty confident I'm going to find what I need at a grocery store or something. Mm -hmm. And I I just go without it. That makes a a few people in my family a little uneasy (laughs) that like what happened if you got to that place and they didn't have the things you were looking for? I mean, maybe right now it'd be a different story, but there was, there was a time where you could just easily walk into a convenience store and pick up what you needed. And That's kind of what they're doing here. Just go and don't bring a lot of extra stuff with you. Are you saying this is a proof text for dad travel? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I know when I go out, whether I'm taking the kids for all day or whenever, I just maybe I stick a diaper or two in my back pocket (laughs) and, and, and we just go, you know, and Adrian has bags and boxes and everything that could possibly be needed and it's wonderful <laughs> having her there but it takes a long time to leave but but yeah and like when I go I, I do the same thing I've always done the same thing my my only I don't usually I, I've almost never brought a luggage a piece of like a suitcase with me I, I'll mm-hmm. throw some stuff in a plastic bag and just bring it with me and I don't know that this is really the proof text to use this I don't if we were having a wife uh, episode like we did once before they they might have some arguments against this for us but but I'm liking it you're kind of painting us as hobos almost yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. with our little yeah. knapsack I'm gonna stick uh, over my shoulder riding the rails a little bandana tied at the end. That's good. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our third and final segment, and that's going to be a top four Proverbs looking at our current circumstances. I guess this is the COVID-19 top four Proverbs. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. So let's go through back and forth. What is a proverb that you've run across that may have brought you comfort or insight in this uh, couple of months that we've been going through? Well, the first thing that I I stumbled on and thought I would share is Proverbs 27, verse 8, which is, Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his house. (laughs) (laughs) So Solomon is basically encouraging us to stay at home. Social distance, stay at home. Shelter in place. That's right. Don't don't leave your home. Uh, a man who strays from his home is in trouble. Uh, but I'll move on to a real one. Uh, I don't think that's what he meant. So I'm we'll go. Pretty sure, that's not what we'll he meant. We'll go with Proverbs twenty-four and verse ten. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Mm. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a, a time when a lot of my teaching I've tried to give comfort. But sometimes we need all of us a little throwdown for us to to see. Okay, it's time to step up and be a man. <laughs> it's time yeah. to step up and show yourself and show yourself to be ready for this adversity. If you can't stand in the time when it is difficult, then you didn't have any strength at all. There was no, you know, before when it was easy, you might have looked like you had strength. You might have looked like you had faith when it was easy to trust God. 
You might have looked like you had love when it didn't cost you anything, when your brother didn't really need very much. But in the day of adversity, that's when we show ourselves. And so I thought that was pretty, pretty strong poker at my heart, and I found it helpful. If you could categorize this time that we're going through in any way, I think the day of adversity may certainly be a good description of what we're what we're facing right now. Yeah. You know, very few times in the past have we really had to question everything. I mean, there's almost no aspect of our lives that isn't touched by this whole thing. I mean, we're kind of some some people really, I mean, are are facing yeah, physical repercussions and losing their jobs and potentially losing their homes and you know all the things that that could be going on and even you know with a lot of congregations not meeting for worship and what what are they going to do are people going to lose their faith and it's this time where i think it's really important for us to see that this is the day of of adversity for a lot of us and are we going to stay awake are we going to stay standing or are we going to faint and if we do faint I don't think that's the end of the world. I don't think that's just the end of our story, but it does tell us something and we can learn something from it. Yeah. And the good news is people don't seem to be losing their faith and people don't seem to be fainting in this day of adversity for the most part. I mean, everyone I talk to, everyone I see on Facebook, I quote unquote see from day to day. Yes. yes. Um, every every person you Zoom. <laughs> every, everybody I Zoom seems to be stronger than ever. And that is very encouraging. The, the show of love. If someone finds out that someone has lost a job, if someone finds out that there's difficulty, I, there's it's just there's a lot of reasons to have more faith than ever in people around us, especially our brethren. And I think, too, it goes back to that Mark 6 example of being open to receiving help. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great, this is a great opportunity to not only help other people, but also to receive help if you need it. And like you've said, I've seen in our own congregation and with people that I know, people asking for help, reaching out and saying, look, we really need something right now. And man, if I haven't seen people step up and really take the bull by the horns and get involved, even as they're social distancing from each other. I mean, that this is an opportunity where we can really show what we're made of. And, and I don't want to say that, you know, in some Pollyanna kind of fashion, because yeah. it's not a great time, but you can, you can see the positive things coming out of this time of adversity and difficulty. Yeah. All right. So mine is in Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six. And no, it is not about staying home and not leaving our house. <laughs> The wise writer says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So kind of a straightforward one, maybe just a classic is classic. It's a super obvious one, but so good. I think this this whole thing that we do and I try to stay away from the news as much as possible. I know some people, friends of mine, family of mine who are just always digesting the news and ingesting all of the facts and the data and they want to know all the reasons why this is happening and what do we need to do now and what do the numbers look like and I think we're trying really hard, at least some of us are, to shore up our understanding and to make sense of all this Mm -hmm. and we may never know the answers for why this is happening or what we should do about it or what we could have done differently is just another lesson for us to learn, kind of like Job did. You may never know why. 
And in the story of Job, I love that he never really understood the full picture of why these things happened to him. In hindsight, we know, mm-hmm. but he had to face God who came to him and said, do you realize how small you are? Do you realize how little you actually know? And the lesson for Job was, you just need to trust me. You need to acknowledge me as the one who knows way more than you ever will. And the more we try to make sense of everything, the more we try to put all the things together in a way that that we wrap a little bow on and just become comfortable with, God's in control in a way that we'll never understand. And we just need to trust him. And in trusting him, he will make straight our paths. And he'll, he'll lead us where we need to go. But we just need to be comfortable not knowing why or not really understanding the full picture. What a great application of this passage, because like you say, I'm constantly trying to figure out and trying to understand more about what's happening, get more news, more of this. I'm just hungry for information because <laughs> I I feel like that will give me some solid ground to stand on in my next move and what's going to happen next and how should I protect my family. And there is a real danger there of leaning on my own understanding, leaning on our own understanding as, a, as, as in humanity. And sure. this is when faith is needed most, whenever we really are seeing the, the horizon of our understanding, really the edges of our power. And the more helpless we get, the more of an opportunity it is to see the Lord and to trust in him. My second proverb is Proverbs 29:25 and it says the fear of man lays a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And that mm-hmm. goes really well with what we were just saying but sure. introduces this idea that fear itself not just what you sometimes we think if I can if I'm afraid then that's going to protect me if I have a proper healthy fear of what's going on. And and there's probably some truth to that. But fear itself can become the trap that we fall into when we mm-hmm. it just becomes this spiral, this panic, this thing that that we're stuck in and can lead to worst consequences. But he says, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Yeah. Safe is a great word. <laughs> Stay safe. Everybody says that right now. God, yes, they do. God bless you. Stay safe. You guys Stay have safe. a good one. Stay safe. Well, here's how to stay safe. We could just say, you guys have a good one and trust in the Lord because that's what's <laughs> going to keep you safe <laughs> Yeah, in the eternal sphere. It's hard not to think of 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, mm-hmm. thinking about this. Yeah. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It's just a good reminder that we are not called to a spirit of fear. We're not called to be disciples and just cowering in fear of everything or every possible situation that could come our way. We've got to move beyond fear, and when you realize that ultimately God loves us and the most important, the most significant danger that could ever beset us has been taken care of in Jesus. And that's obviously our sins. And once we realize that, once we settle into to God's love for us and what he's really done for us, then sure, these things are difficult. These things are challenging, but we can move past them and not be gripped with fear all the time. Yeah, because fear 
is about punishment, John says. And we don't have to fear being punished because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as we just read in Romans here recently. So what what motivates us, what drives us, what surrounds our relationship with God and therefore our angle on the rest of the world is love and confidence in the Lord. I'm just going to sneak this this one in, a second one in, just as part of that one. It's just it's just a parenthesis <laughs> on Proverbs 29:25. The name of the Lord is a strong tower; the righteous man runs into it and is safe. So, just like he said, he who trusts in the Lord is safe. Another way of saying that the name of the Lord is like this tower. You run into that name and you stay safe. So the name of the Lord represents the Lord himself. You know, if we understand who he is and we hold on to him, then we find a a safe tower to stay social distancing in social distancing (laughs) from danger, not from from anything else. All right. So the last one, my second one is Proverbs 20 and verse 30. And this is kind of a kind of an interesting one. And it goes to some of the things we've talked about a little bit. But Solomon says, blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. Those two words there, blows and strokes, those are very similar words to each other. It's basically wounds or something that is inflicted on you. And when you're being beaten in the way that seems super negative on the on the outside, he says they cleanse away evil and they clean the innermost parts. It seems like a real head scratcher, like some strange paradox. Like how could anything good come from terrible wounds that are being inflicted on you? And it reminds me a little bit of what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 verse 5 of Jesus prophetically, when he says, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. From terrible punishment, from terrible pain, came something amazing and great and perfect with Jesus. And the reminder is that when we go through difficult times, when we're wounded, then good things can still come from that cleaning us from evil and making us clean from our innermost parts. Yeah, it makes me think of a passage, a few verses down from your last verse in Proverbs 3, 9, 10, 11. Uh, Actually, the Hebrew writer quotes it in Hebrews 12 saying, My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. And so how Mm -hmm. can blows cleanse you? Well, he he cleanses the one he loves by discipline and we understand that from our kids and and trying to trying to mold them whatever it takes we don't like punishing them we're going through something right now with Asher where <laughs> man it's just good days and bad days where we're we're trying to shape him and he'll have he'll have these days where he just seems to have blow after blow <laughs> not necessarily physical blows but you know he spends spends time in his room on his bed when the rest of us are watching his favorite show or something and yeah so i was showing him one day i i just started hitting my head on the wall <laughs> and i said <laughs> i said what am i doing here ouch that hurts ouch that hurts but here i keep doing it and i, I said seems like somebody should tell me just stop hitting your head against the wall. And and so he told me that. And I said, oh, 
Maybe that's what you should do. Every time you do the things you're doing, it hurts you. It takes things away from you. You're making your life harder. Yeah. My whole job is not to just give you good things. I want that for you, but is to make you a good person. And that's what the Lord is is trying to do with us, is shape us. And so his discipline shapes us. And ultimately, it cost him so much that he had to take that discipline upon himself, as he said, the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we're healed. There's a phrase that I've heard used uh, from time to time, and it's, when pain is sufficient, change will come. Mm. And I think that's kind of what the idea is being expressed here. When, When you have gone through enough pain that it actually causes you to kind of wake up and realize you need to change, well, then that's a good thing. And I think maybe during some of this time of difficulty, maybe it's a wake up call. Maybe it's an opportunity for us to look around and see, you know, am I really focused on the things that matter? Am I really treating people the way I should? Am I really loving unhypocritically? And am am I really doing my best for the Lord every day? Or could I be doing more? Mm. It's a good reminder. Uh, So uh, one of our brothers, Jared, who's listening, I think live right now, he threw in one that I'm going to just add as a as a fifth one maybe a sixth one to our conversation all right go jerry he said proverbs seventeen seventeen. a friend loves at all times mm. and a brother is born for adversity amen and that's a great reminder right now that we get to lean on each other when we go through times of adversity when we're going through times of difficulty that's where your brothers come in that's where you get to lean on each other at all times not just when it's good, not just when it's easy, but also when it's tough too. So good reminder. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I changed one of mine to that one. <laughs> okay. Well, good. We've, we've yeah. met our four. All right. And so that wraps up this segment and let's get into our challenge for this episode. Yeah. So just like what we've been talking about, just challenge us all to trust God to bring a positive outcome from something negative. Whatever you're going through, look around for it. Sometimes what we're tuned into, what we're watching for is what we see. And so if we're just watching for things to fall apart, we'll be able to find that probably. But if we're watching for the good that the Lord can bring from tough situations and difficult challenges that we go through, I think we're going to find that all over the place. So trust him and look for those things. Yeah. And I don't think it's dismissive at all or minimizes people's pain and the struggle that they've gone through. I don't think it's a bad thing right now for us to really look around and see positive things, see good things that the Lord is doing because he's doing them and he's trying to get us, I think, in a lot of ways to see what's most important, to see what we should be focused on. And I think it's a good thing for us to acknowledge the wonderful blessings that he continues to bring to us, even while things seem to be crumbling all around us. That's what Paul did. Philippians 1 and Philippians 4. And yeah, when things are are bad, it doesn't mean we're looking around for opportunities. If there's bad things happening and there's a way we can help, we're not blind to the suffering around us. That's for sure as Christians, but we also can see what God can do with all of this. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode of BibleGeeks.fm slash 59. We are also on social media. You can come follow along with us. We're doing our bracket 
So go check that out. You can find and get involved in that at biblegeeks.fm slash bracket, which is obvious, I guess, the URL for that one. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, if you want us to talk about something on an upcoming episode, contact us through our website. We'll be happy to incorporate all the things that you might want to talk about on upcoming episodes. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.